Hello and welcome to Weebspawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We're by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello Bobby, glad to be doing another episode. And today's episode, we are going to be talking about Blue Exorcist Season 1. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so Blue Exorcist is a manga series written and illustrated by Kazue Kato, Kai, sorry, Kazue Kato, and the story revolves around Rin Okumura, a teenage who discovers that he and his twin brother Yukio are the sons of Satan, born from a human woman, and he is the inheritor of Satan's powers. When Satan kills their guardian, Rin enrolls at True Cross Academy to become an exorcist under Yukio's uh, tutelage. Is that how you say that word? Tutelage? Yes. In order to defeat his father, Satan. And the manga has been serialized by Shueisha's Jump Square magazine since April of 2009, with individual chapters collected into 27 Takobon's, uh, Takobon volumes as of July of 2021. Viz Media has licensed the manga for North American production, with the first volume released in April of 2011. Aniplex of America also released the anime's DVD in English regions. The series was adapted into an anime television series produced by A1 Pictures, and it broadcast from April to October of 2011. And the anime film Blue Exorcist the movie premiered on December 12th, and the second season, titled Blue Exorcist, Blue Exorcist Kyoto Saga, aired from January to March of 2017, five years after the movie. Yeah, there was a pretty big gap. And honestly, I kind of forgot there was a season two. I don't think I've... I don't know if I've watched actually a season... I probably have, like, if I stopped watching it. Because Blue Exorcist was, like, one of the first animes I watched once I started getting, like, actually into anime. It's another good intro anime. If you need to recommend an anime Mm -hmm. to someone to try to get them into it, I think Blue Exorcist is a good one because... It it quotes itself being a dark uh, anime, which I could see because it deals with like demons and stuff, and how it it's not as dark and gory as like others tend to be. But for a shonen anime, I would I can see why they would consider it like dark. Yeah. Um. I definitely have watched the second season. I thought it was pretty good. Um, ignoring the fact of how they ended season one. So it, it was a pretty good one. And it is a good starter anime to get into just because it's not very long. It's only 25 episodes for season one. I think the Kyoto arc was only like 12 or 8 episodes. But it's not too bad. Uh, 10. It was 10. Ep- oh, nope. I was wrong. It was 12. It's 12. Yeah. Um, it, it's pretty good. It's, it's a nice... It isn't as dark as I would expect it to be, um, dealing with demons and Satan and stuff, but it is a pretty good one. I found it funny, because when I was doing this, uh, it said, oh, Netflix has it. So I was like, oh, okay, I can use that as a refresher. They have season two, but not season one. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, like when I, fir- when I saw episode one, I was like, huh, 
This doesn't. I, I don't recall this happening in season or the episode one. And then I realized it was the Kyoto Saga, and I was like, "Wait, so you're telling me Netflix has season two, but not season one? How does how does that work?" But yeah, Netflix kind of likes to do that sometimes. Like at one point, this is totally not anime related, but I was watching. I started Survivor just for fun because I was out of town. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. So I went to it, and it's like. Which, or which season do you want to start on? Season 18 or season 21? I'm like, those are the <laughs> only two you have? Very strange. I don't know how Netflix does their licensing or how they get the... How they do anything, because they just <laughs> pick and choose what they want. I wonder, I wonder if it's like they chose those because they were popular or because they were unpopular <laughs> that they got the license for it. Um, those two seasons happen to be very popular ones so maybe they just were like okay we can get licenses for a couple seasons which ones do we want or maybe like you there are some like under contracts they're like we can't give you these seasons i don't know because yeah, i was gonna say it could be kind of like how uh, sony only had rights to spider-man Mm, for like the marvel movies and stuff like that but it's just weird for me for because of the show that you can sell it in seasons yeah it's very strange because i mean i i get like dvds you could sell but everything but like giving them so it's like okay well hulu can have seasons one through five netflix can (laughs) have 18 20 and 13 and then uh whatever and they just like split it all up like that that to me is just weird, but yeah, doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then again, the anime industry is <laughs> super weird. To backtrack back into uh, Blue Exorcist, if you don't know what it is, as you mentioned earlier, the story revolves around Rin Okumura, who, along with his younger twin Yukio, was raised by their father Shiro Fujimoto, an exorcist. One day, Rin learns that he and Yukio are the sons of Satan. Witnessing Shiro dying to protect him, Rin draws the demon-slaying sword Kurikara, which which restrains his demonic powers. From that moment on, Rin not only gains demonic features like fangs and a tail, but also the power to ignite into blue flames that destroy almost anything he touches. When Rin wishes to become an exorcist like his guardian to become stronger and defeat Satan, he enrolls at the prestigious True Cross Academy, an exorcist cram school, which is actually the Japanese branch of the True Cross Order, an international organization designed to protect Asaya, the human realm, from Gehenna, the demonic realm. Much to his surprise, Rin finds that Yuki, Yukio, is already a veteran exorcist and is one of his teachers. Thus begins Ren's journey to become an exorcist, accompanied by his brother and his fellow students who quickly become his close friends. So some of the inspiration behind this anime, uh, Kazue, Kai, uh, Kazue Kato took some inspiration from the 2000 film The Brothers Grimm as she tried to work the angle of brothers fighting against monsters into a story. She eventually decided on making the story about demons and exorcists, thus create, or like conceiving the blue exorcist. Uh, due to exorcists being the main idea of the story, the manga features a lot of biblical references. And in an interview with Anime News Network, 
Kato said, I should not run away from these references if I'm working in the the exorcist genre, which makes sense. And I, it is a strong presence. Like you can actually kind of see some of the references she pulls if you have any knowledge about like uh, religious um, history and stuff like that. You can you can definitely tell where these references are coming from, and it fits into the story well. I think she really played it out without going too deep into one side or the other. And it's good she didn't, like, shy away from anything either because, like, a lot of shows, when it comes to, like, biblical themes, they either do something, like, completely different or they are, I guess, too specific. And, Mm -hmm. like, they don't ever just, like, take bits and pieces of it or, like, actually use it as, like, inspiration and not afraid to say, like, oh, this isn't this exactly, but, yes, it inspired this. Like, what an angel is. Uh, the, like, the true form of the angel that it's all memes now. But, yeah, just the fact that she didn't shy away from it. Like, she's like, yeah, I did use the bible as a reference like i'm Mm -hmm. making an exorcist show why wouldn't i so i think it's cool that she did that so to begin the anime we are open to a pretty grim scene when we see priest after priest sought to burn and burst into blue flames then we get to see our protagonist rin akrumara and then fight with some delinquents after getting fired from his job He returns back to the church where his foster father, Shiro Fujimoto, scolds him for fighting, but at the same time sets him up with another interview. At first he gets accepted until he runs into a mischievous demon for the first time and causes a wreck in the store because no one else can see him besides him and the little girl he was helping. When he goes back home, he tries to explain what happened, but is told to leave it alone. The next day, however, he meets up with the delinquent from before, and during this fight, his father comes to his rescue, and when he learns the truth of the world about demons and how he is the son of Satan. Yes. So, um, one thing I noticed in this first episode, or it might have been the second episode, when he's teaching him about demons, it was... He, well, there was a demon that was called the ghoul and he was telling him about it and he's talking about how like demons take all sorts forms and shapes and sizes and stuff and he mentioned that the demons there are ghouls in tokyo but they often take the form of a human and i thought that was really interesting because i believe he, that they were referencing tokyo ghoul and just kind of like make a little hint at it and i just thought it was neat thought i'd mention that no i don't think i've actually i took that to heart when saying that but that would be cool if it really was a reference and one thing i i had to say is i'm glad like right away he learns about his heritage on episode one and it's like they didn't try to hide it from him for like eight episodes yeah yeah i always i i like that because i always hate when shows and anime like, there's something deep within a character, and they just withhold that information from them. 
And it's like, come on, like this would make their life so much easier if they understood why bad shit's happening to them. <coughs> Blood sea. <coughs> <laughs> yep. That one was more uh, experimentation. Like they were kind of seeing what would happen and seeing if they could train her. But at the same time, like, yes, that is it's the whole premise of that show is to withhold this information. And that's what makes one of the things that makes this show so terrible. <laughs> it was just so bad. I just can't get over Blood Sea. Yeah, and then like you make the whole thing about him having to hide the fact that he is Satan. So that gives another dynamic into this anime that comes time and time again throughout the season. So you just give it like, all right, yes, he knows he's done the Satan because we know it too. So it makes sense of why we would know it and like why certain people know it and why he has to go about like certain ways. But yeah, I'm just glad they like from the get go that he's like, yeah, you're the son of Satan. Yep. It was, it's just a refreshing different take on this show. So now he's running from demons or yeah, running from the demons that Rin can now see they try to make their way back to the church where a uh, legendary sword, the Kurikara, uh, where, yeah, the legendary sword Kurikara is. Um, and this sword is a demon slaying blade that is uh, where Rin's powers are currently being sealed away. So we also learn that despite being twins, Yukio did not inherit any of Satan's powers due to having a very weak body. And at the monastery, a fight breaks out, and Rin and Shiro have a fight which causes Shiro to weaken for a moment. And this allows Satan to actually take over his body. But before he could take Rin, he sacrifices himself, and Rin unsheathes the blade to destroy the portal made by Satan. And at his grave, Rin is approached by Mephisto and tells him he wants him to become an exorcist, to kill Satan, and thus, enrollment in the True Cross Academy begins. And oh, this part was so hard because just for a moment, that that weakness happened in his adopted father's like being, his morals, and like his will weakened slightly, and that is what caused Satan to get in and take his life. And it's just such a tough moment there because. I don't know. It's just one thing you have to watch, but it, I felt bad. Like it was very early in the show and it was already making me feel bad for this character. Yeah. And they even did such a good job that you can literally see the moment it happens. Like just ever so mm -hmm. slightly, you can just see that one like second where it happens. And then you just like, Oh no, <laughs> yep it was rough i was i was upset but i'm like damn that was pretty good <laughs> i have to say from the first time meeting mephisto till now i still don't like him <laughs> oh i fucking hate mephisto i think he's very nefarious there's something about him where he seems like he's on the right side but i think because i haven't read the the manga or anything I think his goal is to get rid of Satan to kind of, like, take his place because there would be a power vacuum. I think that is Mephisto's goal. I don't know if that's true, but he seems to be... There seems to be something under the surface that we're not seeing yet. 
I personally think that's more of a secondary goal. Like, he, he's more for Satan losing. But I also feel like maybe... To me, he gives out the feeling he just wants, quote-unquote, like, chaos. Like, not mm. to just all of a sudden open gates and have uh, all hell break loose or anything like that. Or maybe he's trying to rule both worlds, and that's why he has the Academy, and he's leading them towards Satan. But at the same time, he's like, he can't have anyone too powerful, so he still kind of intervenes and all this stuff. And it's just like pure entertainment for him. Like he's lived that such a long be, yeah. life that he's just bored of everything. Yeah, he's like a Roman emperor watching a gladiator fight, and he just is there for the the enjoyment. But um, yeah, I was looking up because Mephisto was like a very familiar sounding name to me, so I knew there probably has to be something behind it. And I think it is Greek or something. But I think he's a demon in in some culture. I, he I'll have is hundred percent. So the fact that his name's Mephisto, it makes me feel like that is a hint at what his true intentions are. Unless it's a red herring and they want you to think that and he's actually going to be like a good guy or just whatever. I don't know. Yeah, because his... The... True... Like his true name is Mephistophelius? Also known oh, yeah. as Mephisto is a demon featured in German folklore. Okay. So he is a German folklore. Interesting. He's the prince oh, of yeah, hell. The yeah, and that's the oh, they did pr- basically mention that because he's uh, he mentioned that he and Ren the Akumaras are like brothers, like stepbrothers uh, or something like that. Right. Also known yeah. as Demon Trickster, King of Crossroads. So yeah, he's like the Loki okay. of... Uh, that makes sense, of German folklore. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know how I feel about this guy. <laughs> I don't know what to feel about him. So he's... I've. Well, Loki has more redeeming features than him, but yeah. I, I feel... I could see them very similar. But <laughs> let's not get too far off because... We still got his academy life to talk about, which doesn't go exactly how he expects. His brother Yuki, you, I don't know why I keep saying Yuki, it's Yukio. First it's off, just easy. Yeah. <laughs> that O is easy to drop. <laughs> is the freshman representative, which he's proud of since he's, since it's been little Yukio's dream to be a doctor. And though he finally gets to the exorcist part of the school, he realizes his teacher ends up being none other than his brother, who actually finished his exorcist training two years ago. They get in a little scuffle about their relationship and, like, for, like, how Shiro died and everything, and how he views Rin as a demon, but at the end, they end up rekindling their brotherly bond and even share the same room and actually the entire building with each other. Yeah, so Yu-Gi-Oh gets requested for an exorcism, and Rin decides to tag along, uh, but he is allowed, he's allowed to, but only to observe since he just enrolled and his rank isn't high enough yet. Uh, The first thing they need to do is resupply, and using special keys given to the exorcist, they can essentially warp to places through the academy, 
And here, Rin meets up with uh, Shiemi Moriyama, who lost the ability to use her legs. And the cause, of course, was a demon. And through the help of the Okumura brothers, they were able to safely get rid of this demon and cure uh, uh, Shiemi's legs in the process. And she enrolls in the True Cross Academy as well. So this was a, a nice little way to just kind of quickly show what demons can do to people and how the exorcists are able to do their job and like to exercise them and, and help people out. This is a really quick way to show us all that. Yeah, definitely give you a way of like their temptation and their not just straight up like just brute force. <laughs> mhm, exactly. So even with a new friend in his academy life or in even with this new friend, his academy life is just getting started when Bon, who was from the temple where the blue knight occurred, the scene we were introduced to in the beginning of the series, that very opening scene starts to get angry with him because he thinks Rin isn't taking the exorcist classes seriously. And during their PE test with these, like, giant frogs, the teacher leaves and they decide to almost do, like, a test of courage. Like, hey, go touch this. And Rin refuses at first, saying, like, it's not worth my life. But Bon, annoyed with him, decides he's going to prove he's tougher and almost gets in really big trouble, but Rin steps in and saves him. And from then, they kind of start getting this friendvery relationship, like a friend and rival-ish is the best way I could describe it. But then, at the end, we also see more about Sir Mephisto and his brother asking when he will return to Gehenna, the world of the demons. Yeah, so this little friend rivalry thing going on with uh, Rin and Bon is really cool to see, but it's also kind of nerve-wracking. I can't remember quite exactly when we learned this bit of information, but we learned that Bon's parents were killed by Saiyan in the blue flames that burned them alive and this and that. And this kind of creates this bit of tension and a little bit of stress as the viewer because we know that Rin is obviously the son of Satan. And Rin knows this. And it makes him really nervous because if this is revealed, it's almost certain that Bon is going to absolutely hate Rin. So it adds this tension that is, I think, necessary in the show. But also it's just like such a painful thing. Because you're always on edge of when this appears. Like, when, when will this manifest and cause chaos? So, um, after all this, we, we get a bit of, light, of, of a light-hearted episode when we learn of the familiar that cooks for the Okumura brothers. And it starts with uh, Yukio being unable to, to reject girls' lunches and uses his brother as an excuse... And later, while Rin was making lunch with the familiar that was in charge. Hold on, let me, let me reread this because I feel like I'm stumbling a little too much. <coughs> yeah, 
So afterwards, we get a bit of a lighthearted episode when we learn of the familiar that cooks the lunches for the Okumer brothers. And it starts with Yukio being unable to reject girls' lunches, and he uses his brother as an excuse. And later, while Rin was making lunch, the familiar that was in charge gets angry, and they had a duel of the dishes, and somehow they get this like strange new relationship to through cooking and it's just like this really overall fun episode to watch and we get a little peek at Rin's backstory while he uh, started cooking and stuff so it was just one of those lighthearted ones where it's nothing real serious but you get a little bit of information that is valuable to the story yeah they did throw in every now and then a couple of these kind of like little less serious episodes which a lot of animes really do do after like a very serious arc or something they'll kind of give you like an episode or two of lightheartedness so it's kind of like oh okay time <laughs> to get some like happy going yep yeah you can't have all stress all the time yeah so right after this we finally get the training camp arc already so soon well, more like everyone is just coming over to the uh, Kumara's dorm, and Yukio is teaching them, but nevertheless, it's a training camp. Here, they learn about the different Meisters, Arya, Dr. Dragoon, Tamer, and Knight, and they have to find out which one they are going to apply for. The Taming Instructor lets everyone try it to see if they have any potential candidates, and there are two, Kamiki and uh, Shimei, or whatever you pronounced it. <laughs> um, yeah, let me Google what the name actually is, because it might have, I might have been doing it wrong. Shy, I think. I think Shia it's. Me. I think it's. Sh yeah. Uh, Shia yeah, I think I just spelled it wrong right there. Shia Yeah, yep, Shia Me. Shia Moriyama. So, after the, their little practice summoning, a ghoul breaks in and actually injures one of the students. And we find out that the ghoul was actually summoned by their very own taming instructor. Da da da. <laughs> bum 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 bum. Hold on. If you want, we can, um, like, kind of shorten some Group of them it. up a little bit. Yeah. Just a little more talking. Save if you want. We can That's fine. Yeah, because we're already at like halfway and we still got. Yeah. That'll probably be good. Yeah, do that. So just do run through so there's not as many little breaks if you don't. <laughs> Except I just lost where we were. Um, give me a second. Uh, we were... Oh, yeah, we're here. Yeah. <coughs> then Kamaki starts a fight with Bon over the power of Arya. Because Arya gets their power by just resetting the verses of the different texts while everyone else kind of has some other tangible way of fighting. And 
she basically is saying like how they're defenseless and now almost a liability because all they can do is chant verses while they're going to need protecting. This fight escalates and they are sent to detention. And while they're there, the ghoul from before actually shows up. Rin decides to lure it away since he can't fight in front of them, but it ends up splitting into two. And now one gets taken care of by Rin once he is far enough away and can actually use his sword, and the other by the rest of the class with teamwork. And then we finally see them starting to get along. Yeah, we learned the ghoul tech was actually just a test, and in fact, there were about five or so instructors hiding on standby, so if anything were to go wrong, they could quickly come in and dispatch. Though, Yukio is still suspicious of the summoning teacher, because he tried to force Rin into using his power in front of everyone. So later on, uh, his suspicions were right, as he attempts to kill Rin, but the Okumura brothers fight together, and managed to defeat him without killing him as well. So Rin accompanies Yukio on a mission uh, after this. And uh, the threat is Kudo, a cat. Um, Sidhe, a cat. That's what, what they... Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be like a cat Sith, but it's like just what they call that demon. Oh, I, I see. It's basically a cat demon. Say. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, and yeah, they, this cat demon familiar is owned by Shiro, uh, who has gone berserk after hearing that his master has died. So Kuro was a guardian deity, but he turned into a demon after the shrine was demolished. Shiro was the only exorcist able to calm him down without hurting him, and Rin confronts Kuro with the same mentality, and he calms him down and becomes his new guardian. Um, Yukio gives Kuro silver vine sake and a special present that Shiro had left for him. So I kind of liked this in the way that it shows that you don't always have to deal with these demons in a violent manner. You don't have to always just exercise them. You can kind of calm them down and take a different approach. It's not all just brute strength and muscle. I think my favorite part of this was when he convinces his Rin convinces his brother. He's like, "Here, let me take care of this." He's like, "You gotta use your head this time." He's like, "Oh, trust me, I will." And then he literally <laughs> headbutts him. Yeah, it's always like my my favorite um, cliche. Oh, uh, it was He's like, "I didn't think you meant it literally." <laughs> and then they bond over talking about Shiro and everything, but. Uh, I I died laughing when he's like, don't worry, I'll use my head this time. <laughs> In a literal <laughs> sense. Oh, and I probably pronounced it wrong. It's probably a Kate Sith, isn't it? See, that's what I thought, but they didn't... Yeah. But they... I think it's Kate. Okay, but they didn't, like, spell it that way. So that's why I wasn't... No, because I think it has the... I think it's probably spelled... You probably spelled it correct, but I think it's Gaelic or something. So it has that that pronunciation despite the gotcha. so it is case something something along like those lines it's not a normal cat guys that's what we're trying to get across yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not professionals here. <laughs> we're not exorcists god yeah. we didn't go to two cross 
<laughs> Anyways, on Rin's next mission, he has to go to a beach where a kraken is said to have appeared. There they meet a boy whose father was supposedly taken away by the kraken and it is now his goal to defeat it. That night, the kraken does arrive, but it turns out the story isn't exactly what we thought. The boy's father was actually... He ended up getting stranded on an uninhabitable island for six months, and the Kraken was trying to take him home, but his sense of direction was terrible. I'm <laughs> not even kidding you. That's, like, exactly so what they silly. says. So this also kind of shows you that not all demons are evil. Then after the beach comes the amusement park. And not any amusement park, but it's meant Vesto's amusement park, which is haunted by a child ghost. So the Esquires, who are the next rank of training exorcists, who are just basically Rin and company, are tasked to look for this ghost. But Rin encounters Amon, his and Mephisto's younger half-brother, who forces him to fight. And during this fight, Rin loses control and goes haywire, almost putting Shiami? How did we say we pronounce that? Shiame. Shiame. Shiame in danger. And one of the quieter, quieter esquires defends Rin, causing Amon to retreat. And they finally expose herself to, not, to be not a student, but a high-level exorcist, Shira Kiri. Got Curry. Yeah, she's a fun character. Um, she's a blast. She's just, I love her. She's very eccentric and obnoxious, and but also she like puts people in their place. It's it's a good contrast because she's almost like the opposite of how Yukio teaches. He's kind of mm-hmm. even though he looks to be like so nice, but he's like a very strict teacher and by the books, and then. Shura is more, like you said, eccentric and kind of goes with the flow, more practical stuff, not necessarily by the books, how it's written. It's a very, like, book smarts versus street smarts kind of. Yeah, exactly. So this senior exorcist first class, uh, Shura Kiragakure, uh, she stops the battle between Rin and Amaimon, but... He's not really out of hot water just yet because Rin learns that Shura was once a disciple of Shiro's and that Shura has targeted him for elimination. Though she is conflicted because she promised Shiro that she would protect Rin should anything happen to him. Her doubts are cleared when she discovers that Rin loved Shiro as a father and Shiro was actually raising him as a son and not a weapon against Satan. The so yeah, this was like a nice little conflict that she had to face herself with. But Rin has this personality and this way of persuading people that he's not evil, despite having very evil blood. So the first semester has ended, signaling the start of summer vacation for the True Cross Academy students. There's no rest for Rin and the others, because uh, they have to take part in a three-day drill to prepare for actual combat. Under the, uh, under the guise of a, tri- uh, a camping trip. 
The, cl the class must find these peg lanterns hidden within the forest and return them. Shin, Shiame, Ryuji, Renzo, and Konikamaru find one of the peg lanterns, which uh, a demon that consumes living things, and uh, they have to work together to transport it across a bridge. So this was interesting. And the plan goes awry when Rin accidentally destroys the bridge and awakens a Chuchiri, which is an insect demon. So things never go right when Rin's involved. I think that's kind of the moral of the story. <laughs> and it's like, a lot of times it's really not his fault that like some of this stuff happens. He just yeah. is usually the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, and it's not their fault that they had to go in this without realizing what this challenge actually was. Exactly. So, Bond ends up saving Rin from the Chichiri. Also, by the way, Ryuji is Bond. Uh, I forgot to change the name, but they always call him Bond, like in the show. So that's why I've been trying to put his name in. So in case you guys were confused at who Ryuji is, all of a sudden, um, it's Bond. So this ends up... Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. This ends up displaying a strong friendship between them. And also, sorry to go back to this. It was just weird because, like, even when I was looking up stuff, and a lot of it uses Ryuji, and, like, they do use it sometimes in the anime, but, like, I feel like 90% of the time they refer to him as Bond. So I... Plus, I think it's easier to say, so I just use that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I noticed that, like, in in a lot of, like, wiki pages and stuff that we use, a lot of the time, they will reference people in a different way than they're actually addressed. And I think that's just so weird. <laughs> I think it's because a lot of times, like, those pages will have, like, a character page. So it's mm. easy if all of a sudden you're like, wait, who is that? And then you can look up the character page and it says Ryuji or whatever instead of maybe the nickname yeah. Bond. But, yeah. Like I said, it's easier to say, and they use it a lot. So, as the students return to camp, they get attacked by Amon and his behemoth familiar. Amon forces Rin to fight again, and his friends do try to come and help, but they get defeated rather quickly. And having no other way to protect his friends, Rin is forced to reveal his secret and unsheath the blade. He ends up easily overpowering Amon, but quickly loses control and goes on a rampage, cracking Kirakura, the sword, in the process. Consumed by the power of the flames during his battle with Amon, Rin goes berserk, but he manages to regain control of himself once his power is exhausted, only to be captured by the current paladin, Arthur A. Angel. What a pretentious name. I was literally about to say, what a name. You got Arthur from, like, King Arthur and the Holy Grail, and then Angel, like, come on. I, that just screams pretentious to me. <laughs> Not only that, but Mephisto is actually placed on trial for treason. But during this little court session, Mephisto is able to... Kind of, not necessarily lie, but... 
He gives his reason for keeping Ren alive is to have him defeat Satan and kind of uses his silver tongue to turn the tables of such. But with now the blade broken, they're like, how are you going to control the powers? Rin's friends actually offer their help, except for Konokumura, who ends up actually being a little afraid of him. But the group does travel to a temple in Kyoto to fix Rin's cracked sword, where Yukio and Ban are plunged into a plunge into doubt by Maria, the statue demons that tell them to kill Rin. But back at the Vanekin, Amon gets into or Amon ends up interrupting the court because that's where they like decide to lock him up and comes out like all in a fury that he wants to destroy Rin. As the hearing drags on, the Order finds itself unable to decide Rin's fate because Mephisto has proclaimed him to be a weapon for counterattacking Satan. Just then, Rin breaks through and uh, he actually defeats Amaimon once more. And the... Uh, how would you say this? The Grigoro? Or the, Grig- the Gregory? I think, yeah. Yeah, the Gregory. That yes, sounds right. right. That sounds that sounds accurate. <laughs> yeah, sounds okay. So the Gregory give him six months to pass the exorcist's exam. So Rin's friends are now having mixed feelings about him after learning of his relationship with Satan. Shura gives Rin his first training assignment to learn to control his flames. Konikomura is haunted um, by a Gufu, which is a crow demon that preys on the f- his fears of Rin. Uh, Izumo and Rin then are attacked by that same demon. So shit starts to go down because people are very uncomfortable with how Rin like, has his powers and everything. Things are uneasy, but overall, people are trying to help him so he can, you know, like live. So Rin undergoes this training to become a master of his demonic flames when a giant bird-like demon swoops in on him. The Gufu has, at this point, possessed Konikomura to convince him to kill Rin. And knowing that Konikomura is possessed, Rin attacks him, going for the Gufu. But this creates a misunderstanding with his friends, because he's already on thin ice with them. And now he looks like he's attacking a classmate, which just definitely is not a good thing to be doing when everyone hates you. Or is at least afraid of you. So, yeah. Shura ends up locating a portal to uh, this abandoned laboratory in a forest. And Ryuji, or Bon, witnesses Konikumura succumbing to this Gufu. Eventually, Rin slays it and saves his life. And ashamed of causing so much trouble... Uh, Konikamura decides to leave the academy but of course Rin being the nice guy he is he knows this was all just like a misunderstanding he understands why Konikamura uh, felt the way he did so he convinces him to stay which helps kind of reconcile with other people like the other classmates it's just it was a, it was a chaotic little bit of time for them there yeah it definitely was very <laughs> Chaotic, like you said, because that I, I was trying to think of a, a word to describe it, but that I, 
like I don't know of another word that describes it because it shows that they were like they know Rin's a good person, but like that power is scary to them, especially since literally everyone was affected by the blue knight in this classroom. So it, that's where they get this mixed feelings, and then all of a sudden you see him attacking your friend out of nowhere. It's just like, uh, I'm just glad they didn't make this yeah. understanding go on for like two or three episodes, and then like it would have been all whatever. Mm-hmm. They kind of did wrap it up nicely, so I, I am glad. Yeah, they, that. they all these students already had this deep seated uneasiness, and it's just one of those things that. Anything could have set them off to dislike Rin at this point. And it was almost like they just needed to find a reason, and Rin gave him that reason by attacking a classmate. So then, just like before, we had like all this serious tension build up, and then now we get a bit of a moment of release. So the Esquires are having a ball with Renzo's <laughs> birthday base fortune telling i i just love calling them the esquires esquires it's such a it's such a fancy it is and it's like the lowest ranking like they gave such a cool name to like the lowest ranking yep i'd rather be called an esquire than a a meister (laughs) yeah it makes you seem like you're fighting the true fight yeah you're like a a war royal knight or something exactly so, during this fortune telling, they discover that Izumu's birthday is coming up and that they want to throw her a surprise party. Except she finds out and instead says that we should dedicate it to all those whose birthday has already passed. And one thing led to another, and it just basically became a party to celebrate everyone's birthday and friendships. <laughs> But during this, Yukio confines to Shiame that he doesn't actually know when his and Rin's true birthday is because Shiro told them that it was December 27th, but that was the day he met them at the orphanage and or when they found them as uh, babies because we learn later on that's how they found them at an orphanage. But anyways, Yukio then receives a call for help revealing that their old monastery had actually been attacked. The Southern Cross Monastery, where Rin and Yuki grew up, has come to an under attack by a mysterious assailant, leaving behind the cryptic words, I will never forgive anyone related to Satan. The masked assailant escapes, and Yuki, Yukio tranquilizes Rin to keep him from going after the man upsetting Shura, who feels the move was very unlike him. She motivates Rin to control his flames. Ban, Konakamaru, and Renzo are all held hostage by the Masked Man, and Mephisto is arrested by Arthur for unauthorized biological research. Rin manages to control his flames, ends up saving his friends, but the culprit flees, and Shura realizes that it is a woman who is... Nihau's Newhouse wife, who was the summoning teacher from before, which I kind of forget. Did he end up dying? Because I know he didn't die from their fight, but he might have been like silenced, I think maybe by Mephisto for failing or something. But 
I just yeah, let me see. I honestly can't remember how he died. I just know the Akumaras did not kill him because he was alive and well and walking down the stairs when everything was over. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't see anything saying he's dead, but I don't quite... For some reason, I just have a thing in my head of him like being silenced, basically. Right. Yeah, his wiki page doesn't say he's dead, but it says his wife is. But I don't know. I don't remember her dying. Neither, though. <laughs> Unless this is goes into, like, no, this is probably all anime stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But something about him is done. Oh, I see. <coughs> so the assailant has escaped, but things are just getting back to normal at the monastery or after the monastery attack. Just then, someone appears before Yukio. Uh what who and this is Ernst Frederick uh Agen or A Agin. I, I have no idea. They, I don't remember how <laughs> they pronounce this name. It's been a while. But he claims to be um, his grandfather and reveals the truth about his mother, Yuri Agen, or Agen, who was killed by the Vatican. Rin and Shura learn that Newhouse's wife, uh, Michelle Newhouse, is dead and is now a reanimated corpse possessed by a spider demon. I see. Now that's that's coming back to me. <laughs> so Michelle is now in uh, Shiami's garden, which is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is this could end badly. But uh, Arthur comes to slay her. But when Rin risks or yeah, Rin risks his life, for her Michelle realizes that he is good and actually dies protecting him. So Ernst takes over for the True Cross Order, appointing Yukio as the new paladin, which is another sweet title to be labeled as a paladin. That'd be sweet. I think I'd prefer paladin over a Oh, 100%. Personally. Because that's a pretty, that's pretty cool. So, in light of the recent inc incidences, Mephisto is dismissed from his post as director. The Order's supreme advisors are ousted as well, paving the way for uh, Frederick to become the Pope. Yeah, I'm just going to call him Frederick because it's <laughs> too difficult. Um, then they take, a part, take part in a widespread crusade to destroy all demons, even the good ones. So it's like this guy seemed like he was going to have good intentions and then he just goes way too far. They start questioning the True Cross's orders, the True Cross Order's actions and Yukio is doing it because uh, Frederick claimed it would help destroy the Gehenna, the demon world, um, yeah, the Gehenna, which is like the, the where the, all the demons reside. And this would mean that Yukio and Rin would become human again. And at this point, things are getting even more crazy because now Rin gets arrested as Frederick plans to use him as a living sacrifice to open the Gehenna gate. And Yukio ten, attempts to intervene, but once their friends reach them, they find that Yukio had demonic powers, which he did not know that he had. And these powers have been awakened. So shit just starts going off the deep end. And I have to say, I believe it's around this point where they deviate heavily from the anime or the manga. 
because I believe that they were told that there was not going to be a second season renewal. So now they had to kind of wrap things up in a way that would be at least sufficient to anybody watching the anime. It makes sense because I think when I was watching about the Kyoto Kyoto saga, it said it happened between like episodes 17 and 18, which I was like, that. Yeah, they were trying to, they were trying to cover their bases. Like, okay, we, we finished up the story with a semi okay conclusion. How do we make this have continuity still? Yeah, which you got to give them applause for that because, I mean, obviously I think they were right when they first did this because the second season didn't come until five years later. So they probably were on the mindset of, oh, this isn't going to get a second season, so let's finish it. And yeah, it got really chaotic at the last few episodes and maybe to some people it felt a little rushed, but at the same time, I feel like yeah, I think this was probably the only episode that seemed rushed. I think the other ones seemed yeah. pretty good, fast-paced. But at the same time, if you look at it from this perspective, all of a sudden, this dude comes out of nowhere saying he's his grandfather. And from the get-go, they already give him this like atmosphere, like, you know something is going to happen. He mm-hmm. doesn't look as good as he wants. Not to mention he replaced the paladin he did all these reforms so you know shit was gonna go down and a lot of times you can even take present day terms of what happens when someone new comes into power a lot of their very first actions are to dismantle the yes. system so like with this all of a own. sudden massacre of demons and then you get the resistance that start to pile up so Yes, it's quick, but also very realistic and believable. And I think that's what helped contribute to making this still seem good, even though it what I would say this episode in particular was probably a bit fast-paced. But then I think they kind of yeah. slowed it down for the rest. They just kind of needed... They're like, all right, we need to sacrifice one episode to get from here to here. And I think they actually did it really well. Yeah. I will commend them. Like, I think they did it well. They did give a semi-decent ending to the story that wrapped up loose ends. It didn't make me upset that it was over um, because it didn't end on a cliffhanger. And although it was fast, I think you're right. They, They did it in a way that needed to be done. Yeah, it was definitely faster pace than what was previously, but I don't think they went overly fast to where they didn't like drag out any fights that could have easily been dragged out, so they kind of just made the fights a little more condensed. That's all. Yep. So, Frederick was scheming to open the Gehenna Gate by using the blood of Rin, son of Satan. In order to protect his older brother, Yukio actually offers to take his place, and that's when his blood mixes with Rin's, which awakens his demonic powers from previously. Satan shows Yuri's past to Yukio as she was an exorcist who really willingly let him possess her so he could experience Asaya, the human world, as a human, and that's how she became pregnant with twins. I still don't really understand that part, but 
Yeah, I don't think that's how sex works. Um. <laughs> Enraged, Frederick ordered her dead to be killed. So Satan unintentionally caused the Blue Knight to free Yuri, who gave birth before dying. Mephisto and Shiro, who were sent to kill her children, but Shiro was unable to do it, adopting them instead. And Mephisto was actually the ones who sealed Rin's power in the sword because they made a little bet that he loves doing. In the present, <laughs> Satan possesses Yukio and hordes of demons are starting to spill out of the Henna Gate and now indiscriminately attacking the people of Trucos Academy. Meanwhile, Rin has been rescued by Suguro and Shime and is starting to come to and what does Rin see when he first wakens? It's his brother possessed by Satan. Luckily, Rin manages to get his brother to regain consciousness. Though, by doing that, it was because Satan possessed him, caused him to actually shoot at Rin. And the shock from shooting his brother, the only family he has left, caused Yu-Gi-Oh! to break through and finally expel Satan from his body. And the brothers were able to reconcile and now can share their demon traits together. Yeah. So things are things are just about to wrap up here. And at this point, Satan has transformed himself into a gigantic Gehenna gate and is attempting to absorb all of Asaya. Meanwhile, at school, the exorcists defend against a myriad of demons when... Uh, they come up with a plan to kind of open the gate to the Vatican where it is actually daytime there and they're going to reflect the sunlight from there to the academy where it is nighttime to help weaken the demons. So at this point, Rin and Yukio seize this opportunity and combine their demon powers and uh, they actually manage to destroy the Gehenna Gate and this kind of like wraps it up. And one month later, things are all back to normal at Crew or True Cross Academy, and the twins pay a visit to their mother's grave before returning to their duties as exorcists. And while, like as we mentioned, it was kind of fast-paced from here on out, they did manage to get a clean break conclusion for this series, and they kind of also gave you a hint like they're living their lives as exorcists they're doing good and everything is all well their bonds have been restored and everything is well in asaya yeah so definitely give you a pretty like satisfying ending like it's shonen they're it they're still teenagers they weren't going to like all of a sudden leave or whatever they just continue their work and you could probably assume that they end up becoming like Shiro and probably made a name for themselves as exorcists. So I don't think it really left any cliffhangers. The I guess the only ones would be is if you had any like shipping pairs, if they got together, mm-hmm. that would be like the only cliffhanger. And maybe, but... and maybe the intentions of Mephisto. Oh, yeah, that... Because they showed us him sitting above the battle just watching 
just kind of enjoying what was going on. So you never really get to know what his true intentions are. And like you said, it, he seems more of an observer that wants entertainment, and that seems to be the angle they were going yeah. for. But you never really get true closure. I think I, I still think he's purely there for entertainment, just because like he's always obsessed with like the son of Satan and like how this how he's like ha the son of Satan actually fighting against Satan to him this is like the ultimate entertainment and I don't I don't want to say he has no ambitions I just don't think he would ever want the mantle of like demon lord or whatever the king of demons whatever Satan's title is in this anime because I think he likes conflict he likes to incite things but he doesn't like things to be one-sided he wants to see like the struggle of power. So I don't think even if Satan were to die, I don't think he would ever actually want to take his place. He would probably find someone else to take it and still continue to do what he does. That's fair. He'd probably get his brother Amaimon to take it or something. Well, isn't he actually like dead dead or did he come back? You know, I don't actually know. He's probably dead dead. I forget. Let's let's find out. I'm gonna quickly do a. <laughs> so while he finds out, my question of the day for you guys would be: If you find out you were the son or daughter of Satan, would you have become an exorcist? Would you have tried to run away, or would you think you would have succumbed to the power and destroyed the world? Or if you can't, or if you think that's a little cliche, because you'll probably be like, "Well, yeah, I would have been become an exorcist instead of dying." Because that's basically what Rin's option was. What if you were in the shoes of his friends and you found out that your family who was killed by the blue flames, the by Satan himself, you found out your friend was the offspring of Satan. How would you react to that? Uh, I'm not seeing anything about him being dead. For some reason, I actually am so. thinking about it, and I feel like during that battle, he does kind of, like, reanimate Aimon, but he's, like, he's only, like, a very fraction of his former self. Yeah, I'm not not sure, but I would believe it. Uh. But, yeah, um, that wraps up this episode. I have one fact for you guys, and that is, in 2016, Kato, the illustrator and writer, uh, stated, I think there may be four more arcs. I have a rough storyline to complete for the ending, but I haven't figured out all of the details. I have a few things where I'm not sure what to decide to do. And in July of 2021, uh, Kato announced that the manga would enter on an eight-month hiatus to work on a six-chapter manga miniseries adaptation of Fuyumi Onyo's Eizen Karyakaya Haikitan. <laughs> the manga resumed uh, publication back in May of 2022. And I have to be honest with you guys, I have no idea what the miniseries adaptation of Fuyumi Onyo's Eizen Karyakaya Haikitan is. <laughs> At all. I don't know either. I, I kind of forgot to look that up. I just read that. That's Let's why. See. I'm just going to do a quick search one more time. No, it was surprising to me that I was like, oh, wow, that just literally recently just started publication again. So 
who knows? Maybe there will be a season three of Blue Exorcist. It kind of looks like some... I don't know what this is. Kind of looks like it could be a slice of life based on the cover. It looks like a working dude. It kind of looks cool. Like I kind of like the the illustration, like the style. But anywho, yeah. So it continued to resume publication of May, uh, May second. And that'll be it for this episode. So don't forget to show us love and support on Patreon.com/slash/weepspawn. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weepspawn. And you can contact us anytime at weepspawn@gmail.com. Thank you all for listening, and I've been your host. Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weeb spawn. <laughs>